Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. I'm Conor Falk. I've spent all my life talking about motoring, about cars, and more often about the people sitting in them. I've met some amazing people, some who are total car fanatics, and some who think the damn things should never have been invented. Love them or hate them, most people have car stories. I'm on the radio a fair bit, or at least I was, but I'm nearly always there as the guy who gives his view on the transport debate. I'm there as an expert, I'm supposed to say my bit and be done, no doubt as one half of an argument with a cyclist. I have a series of rows with varying degrees of friendliness, a quick chat or a spat, and we're gone. But I prefer to listen. So we're going to do a podcast. I'd like to meet some interesting people, some friends you'll know and some you may not, and I'd like to ask them a bit about their motoring life. And you never know, maybe we can get under the hood and come to know them a little better. And because I'm no good at these things, I'll have a little help from Conor O'Hagan in production. Thanks, Conor. He's going to keep my levels on the level, so to speak. I suppose we should give it a name, so we'll go with Driving Life. It may wind up being more about life than driving, but I guess we'll find that out on the journey. And the first guest on that journey is someone I'm sure you'll know. Radio star, journalist, international rugby coach, bit crotchety around the edges, he says himself, but he's one of life's gentlemen and a great character. Let's go and meet George Hook. George, you're very good to talk to me about uh, cars and your and your backstory therein. How are you keeping? How are you? Well, I'm now uh, 80 and um, I was 80 in May and uh, I'm discovering that uh, I can remember things. And it, to be, and I'm serious. Yeah. I am very scared. I, I mean, I've no problem with like COVID or cancer or anything killing me. I have an absolute fear of losing my mind. Yeah. So I kind of do these tests every day on myself. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. To kind of remember things. And yeah. then I'm happy to remember uh, that I can. Because the interesting thing is, and I mean, mm. anybody of, you know, listening of a certain age will know this. I can give you all 12 starters in the 1956 yeah. Olympics at Melbourne, won by Ronnie Delaney yeah. in 341.2, but I cannot tell you who won the 1500 metres in the last Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So the old memory's fine. I'm not worried about it, but I'm worried about last week, you know? Yeah, and doing those sort of cognitive exercises and that is, is really good, isn't it? It keeps you sharp. I mean, the advice always is to stay sharp and stay busy. Um, but but doing those exercises, do you do do those to keep yourself healthy or just to stop well, yourself being I, I tell you the key thing, and I'm now passing on the uh, greatest medical secret of the age. Yeah. Right? If you want to stay young, work with young people, uh, and that's... here we are in a podcast, mm. right? And at my old school, Presentation College, Cork. Yeah. And the girls of Skullvera in Cork. Mm. I drive to Cork every single week. Yeah. And I teach them to podcast. Fantastic. And I tell you, working with 16-year-old transition year boys and girls keeps you young. I can imagine it does. <laughs> I, I was going to say you're fit and vigorous. And if you take the compliment, you're, you're a vigorous guy still, you yeah. know, okay. mentally and physically. Are we going to talk I, motor cars? We're going to talk we motor cars. Going to, are we just going to chit, idle chit-chat? Well, by now, half your listeners have turned off and said, why are these old two fogies chatting? Yeah, and you t- you told me that if we started chatting, we'd never get any work done. Yeah. Um, and when, when I rang you the other day, you were on the road to Cork. So obviously you're still driving and you're driving now. If, you, if you've 80 on the clock, how, when did, what age were you when you started driving? Well, this is interesting, mm. I think, for, for somebody listening. See, I was born poor. We were a poor mm. family in Cork. Mm. Two up, two down, outside toilet, no running water, yeah. tap in the yard. So we didn't have a car. Yeah. My parents never had a car at any stage in their lives. Right, had a yeah. car. 
Um, and then uh, I, I, we, my mother couldn't get me to university. She couldn't afford that. Mm. So I, I worked. And then I came back at 21 and went to college as a mature student. Yeah. So now I still haven't got a car, okay? Yeah, yeah. So now, finally, uh, I get I, I finish uh, studies. And at 24, I buy my first car. Very good. Right? Because I got a job yeah. with... with um, Were you a traveling salesman? Well, we come to the salesman in uh, a minute because my job is with a company called Burroughs Machines. Subsequently, it became Unisys and all that sort of stuff. And we're talking embryonic computers, machines that are added and subtracted. Right. But lo and behold, they've got an electronic version. So now they want me to sell a thing that multiplies and divides. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Anyway, here's the point. I've now got a, a job as a salesman but I have to buy a car. Yeah. And uh, I buy uh, a Mini. Very good. Brand new. Brand new. Green. KZH728. Uh, 500 uh, pounds, which would be about what? 550, 600 euro, including... 2.5% turnover tax, yeah. which was the forerunner of that. Yeah. And if anybody had told us that 2.5% was going to become 23%, yeah. that would have been a riot. So anyway, here I am zipping around in the Mini, but I can't drive, okay? Yeah. Well, I, I, I've got lessons from my father in a borrowed car because he didn't have a car. Mm. So, uh, I, but I can just about drive. And dating this now, was there a driving test at the oh, time? Oh, God, no. no. Listen, I'm glad you asked that question. This is now late 64, early 65. Yeah. Okay. So now you go down to the driving license department mm. and they ask you, are you deaf, dumb, or blind? <laughs> and you say, no, no, no. Well, there you go, my lord. Now, the driving license is a paper driving mm. license, right? So there's no picture or anything like that, right? More about this than on. Yeah. But it enables me to drive everything. So I can drive A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The only thing I cannot like drive is a bus yeah. or, or a taxi. But I can drive anything. So says the law. But in the meantime, you still can't drive the Mini. <laughs> well, uh, barely, right? <laughs> now, they, the boroughs, I'm, at the end of six months, you went over and you took a kind of training course in London, mm. right? And they discovered that I was pretty good, not surprisingly, at talking yes. and sort of demonstrating. And they had this plan. They had this new... It was a computer. I mean, in a sense, it was electronic and all sort of good stuff. But imagine, it was on 18 months delivery. So <laughs> you bought it today. The company bought it, but didn't get it for 18 months. And also, there was only one in the entire United Kingdom, right? So, because they're only yeah. being built. So they put it in a 22-foot-long caravan, sort of. Yeah, right? yeah. And they get G-Hook <laughs> to take it around the United Kingdom, demonstrating it, A, to would-be buyers, yeah. or indeed, more importantly, people who bought it, yeah. unseen, right? Yeah. G-Hook can barely drive, and he's now in a Land Rover towing, towing a 22-foot-long yoke. Around the roads of England, which was a more serious proposition than Irish roads. Of the United time. Kingdom. All around. Right. Yeah. And we are only beginning to see now the beginnings of the British motorway system. Yeah, all yeah, right? yeah. It's not, you know, it's not crisscrossing the entire uh, country. But I'm going, I go as far north as Inverness. You're not going to get much further north than no, that. Right. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a lorry driver. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, uh, like, I'm afforded all the courtesies of other lorry drivers. So yeah. when you got, not that I pass too many people out, yeah. but if you would pass them out, like, you wouldn't know when you'd gone fully past them. So that guy would flash his lights. Yeah to show me that I'd now gone past yeah. and could pull over. So I learned all the things. This is, but I can't really drive. Yeah. Now, the other thing, this is interesting. Yeah. You can't go 
in this thing. You can't go from second to third to fourth, mm. right? There's a thing I learned called synchromesh. Synchromesh. Right? <laughs> so what I have to do is I have to double declutch. What is double declutch, you may ask, right? <laughs> so in short terms, you went from second, clutch in, second to neutral, clutch out, clutch in again, two to three. So you yeah. two clutch movements. That sounds pretty simple. But when you're on the highway mm -hmm. and all this, right? So I get good at double the clutch. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're a real road warrior now. Oh, you can use yeah. the machine. And yeah. But have you ever tried to reverse an articulated oh, vehicle? I, 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 try, I tried to reverse a short trailer a couple of times and it is the most embarrassing thing. I think I can drive a car, but it's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same Correct. time. Correct. Because hopeless. in simple terms, again, it sounds simple, in order to reverse left, you turn the wheel right. Yeah. And in order to reverse right, you turn the wheel left. So it's the opposite of what you would normally do. Yeah. But but you are a fact, like you have two vehicles here. Mm. But I become super at this. Uh, I can park this thing, and, you know, and all that, right? But the, can you imagine the early days, yeah. right? I had to go from Sheffield mm. to Newcastle upon Tyne. It's about 130 mm. miles, yeah. right? So it's about four hours. And then, and then the back end starts to take over, right? <laughs> so I am now slightly out of control. And I go into the second lane and I go into the third lane and then I go back into the second lane and then I go back into the first <laughs> lane again. I'm moving across the highway, right? So the Bowser behind me has a look at this and says, I don't think I'll pass him, yeah. right? So now what happens next? I jackknife. Right? So the they, they, the back and the front jackknife yeah. like a like okay. a, like a yeah, yeah. yeah. And lucky for me it's the A1N because it's a grass verge. Mm. I go across all three lanes northward <laughs> backwards because I've jackknifed across the grass verge and across all three lanes southbound <laughs> without hitting anything. I finished up jackknifed on the far side of the motorway. What do you think the odds are? Uh, you were absolutely blessed. You were absolutely blessed. What, you dodged six bullets at least crossing the carriage. Unbelievable. Well, you know, there's tech standards on those. But back in the era you're talking about, um, they were very rough and ready machines oh, yeah. compared oh, to oh. The, the standards that apply now. I mean, you could give out about things, health and safety. But it was around about that time, George, that the Brits got their act together on road safety and they were world leaders. They were miles ahead of us for an awful long time. We got better laterally as well, built Irish motorways as well. And you, you in more comfort on Irish motorways now, I would presume, than oh, you did back then. Yeah, but, but it, like the thing was that remember, I didn't do a test, yeah. right? So, really, even now at 80, like I, I, I don't think I'd be too expert on kind of what the rules of the road are. Do you, know? you, you always took them as kind of guidelines rather yeah. than rules, George, didn't and, you? Yeah, and, and the, 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 you know. There are good doctors mm. and bad doctors. There are good solicitors and bad solicitors. Yeah. There are also good drivers and bad drivers. Do you know the dangerous one is the bad driver who thinks he's good? No, I'm a bad driver who thinks he's bad. Yeah, well, that's actually a better. That's actually do you a think? better. Yeah, I do, I do. And did you, you, th you raised three kids. Did you teach them how to drive? Oh, no. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Yeah. And like, I, I learned early on that motor cars and me weren't really compatible. Like, I, I have a car in the driveway now, mm. right? And I think I've got it about two years. Yeah. I've never opened the bonnet. So I don't know how to open the bonnet yeah. after two years. The only thing I know about a motor car is to where to put the petrol in or yeah. diesel. Yeah. But I know nothing else. And I have no other interest. And you shouldn't you shouldn't need to know anything else. I mean they're yeah. boxes for getting you around, aren't they? Well, yeah, because like fellas, you know the way a fella says to you, Well, I've got this new Mercedes four oh four, two point eight cc synchro mesh and yeah. carburetor and, and I know what he's talking about. I have always been quite friendly with fellas who owned garages yeah. in my life. Right? Yeah. So I would come along and I would say uh, to Oshina Bukala, for instance, at Kenilworth Motors, that was, uh, 
what am I supposed to drive now? And yeah. he'd say, this car. And I, then I would buy that car without sitting in it. Yeah. Well, there you go, George. I mean, it, 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 people put too much thought into it sometimes. You just... I just uh, buy the car. No, admittedly, people listening, I said, well, you couldn't afford to do it. True. Yeah. Um, I, but but cars never excited me, you yeah. know, ever. Yeah. So what so what does excite you? I mean, you 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 still use the roads all the time. You're up and down to Cork every week, and you're. Yeah, like I have a pass which gets me free on the bus and free on the train, mm. right? And and uh, I'm sure. Uh, Eamon Ryan, the Minister for Climate Change, would be unhappy, but I've never been on a bus or a train. Well, he, Eamon Ryan would let you use a bicycle for free as well, George. You know, now, bicycles. You'd be a while getting down to court. Bicycles. <laughs> like, bicycles are a plague on the earth. You think? Yes. <laughs> you got a lot of people who disagree with you there. But, 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 but uh, uh, hold on. People don't turn around and say, there's Hook, anti-bicycle, yeah. right? Do you know how old I was when I first was on the bicycle? Well, I can't imagine. You were, 20, what, 24 when you got your first car, right? The bike had to come before then. I was know? about 18 months. Yeah, yeah. My parents were tandem riders. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And yes. my mother couldn't ride a bike. Never could ride a bike. She just pedal on the tandem. But she could sit behind my father on the tandem, right? And they mm -hmm. cycled all over Ireland. Well, that's fantastic. And then young Hook arrives, right? Yeah, the little rebel. Yes. So they get a sidecar. And I have this wonderful picture of the tandem and the sidecar. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm strapped in, so I'm kind of standing in the sidecar. Yeah. But I'm a baby to all intents and purposes. And I'm zipping around Ireland on the tandem. Yeah. So I'm a bicycle person in the past. But I have a problem with people, like only two days ago, right? mm. I'm coming home. It's pitch black. Yeah. Right? What's in front of me? A fella dressed like Batman in total black, mm. no light, no nothing. How am I supposed to see him? Yeah. And, 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 you know, why are you the one who has to be a responsible road user and he can do anything as cavalier as he likes? Uh, I, I, mean, I suspect one of the things that annoys you is, the, is, is, is not so much the bicycles themselves, but the preachiness that can come out of people who... Uh, you know, are, are on their bikes. And well, if you're talking about preaching, you're talking about Eamon Ryan, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Like, uh, oh, the other fella, the other fella who's on my hit list, you know, is the fan, the Dublin City Council fella. Owen Keegan. Owen Keegan. Now, there is a dangerous guy. He he wants it, the, the, the Sandy Man. He wants to turn it into one way. Mm. And then he appears to have adherence in Dunleary Rat Down Gang. Yeah. Well, he was, at, he was there for a while, he of was, course. Yeah. And now they're going to have a, 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 a huge cycle thing in Dean's Grange. Mm. And, um, like, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm all in favour. I can hardly yeah. ride a bike at 80. Like, would I like my grandchildren to be able to cycle to school safely and all? Yeah. Of course Yeah, we all would. But we? they have a responsibility too. Mm -hmm. So when I'm driving here to be due, now in front of me, I have an added worry. I now have all the scooters to worry yeah. about. But they, I tell you, you think bikes are bad, wait till the scooters get going, so to speak. We're going to have them in huge numbers. And um, yeah, I see plenty of reason for you to be grumpy with them in the future, George. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how long a future I have, of course, is a moot point. You were very impactful on Irish radio, George, and uh, I loved people loved listening to you. And you had this sort of persona that was crotchety. Um, and, and in all honesty, you've never been like that yourself in person. There's a bit of uh, um, of George the character uh, in your radio stuff, would you say? Or No, I think I am crotchety. I actually think I am, <laughs> you know. But, but the other thing, the, the next car experience. I mean, it's one thing having a car no different from anybody else. Mm. I mean, I can give you the list of cars in order of arrival. I mean, the most wonderful car Is I ever a favourite? Oh, yes. Yeah. An Audi 100 GLS. Now, I'm going way back I here, right? I year that, yeah, yeah. Fine car. Oh, gorgeous, right? I adored it, right? It's kind of quite sporty, mm. but quite domestic, you know, because yeah, yeah. I have kids and all that stuff. Now, where I live is on a hill, right? And I parked the car on the road, mm. right? 
I've been in the same house for 50 odd years. Right. And, and there wasn't really, there, then there wasn't a space in the kind of garden, as we call it. Yeah. So you park on the road. So it was a Sunday morning. And one of the kids comes in to the bedroom and says, Dad! Your car's crashed, right? Oh, no. <laughs> so how is my car crashed? It's parked, right? <laughs> <laughs> this car, which remains my favorite this yeah. day, the guy at the top of the road had a great big 4 by 4 He mm. went to mass, mm. forgot to put the handbrake on, and it came hurtling down the down hill, the hill into my Audi. Ah, Audi, gone. Oh, no. Well, that, that's an ignominious end for a wonderful car. And right outside your front door. Outside my front door. No. So then, though, there's more to come. Yeah. Right. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 Euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Fast forward quite a bit, right? So George, who still, I think, holds the record of being the worst businessman in history, <laughs> right? And I ran this catering company and lost money. And at one point, I employed 1,500 people and yeah. couldn't make a shilling. I did know that. And you had written about that before oh, as well. Yeah, it was a story story chapter. So, I mean, I... You know, I went to Dunleary Pier and took my clothes off. Like, I, it drove me to that point. I'm still not sure why I didn't do it. But anyway, so now I'm on the run from my creditors, really. And they're coming to the door and they're berating Ingrid, like, oh, your husband owes me money. So, typical of me, I disappear, abandon my wife and children. What year, what year was that, George, do you remember? Yeah, pretty good, right? 1991. Not about that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I was, my real skill was as a rugby coach, not yeah. as a businessman. I was an international rugby yeah. coach. You, I you coached coach the World, US, World coach Cup USA. and all yeah, yeah. And a guy in the USA rings me and he's looking for somebody to head up rugby in America. And I said, I'll do it, right? Yeah. So I do it from, so I'm now commuting from Fox Rock Park to Colorado Springs, the head <laughs> office of U.S. Government. And I spend about, but this gets me away from my creditors, yeah, number yeah. one. And number two, it's it's a sort of pretense that I actually have a job. Mm. But like between airfares, apartments and everything, actually, I'm not making, I have no money. You know, it's only paying my way. But I'm in America and now I am all over America, mm. everywhere, right? So, uh, I, I driving in America is not fun because, yes. do you know what the speed limit was on these huge highways? That's in some states, 55 miles Correct. Per hour. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Ridiculous, isn't it? So you, but now this was national. Yeah. It was the national speed limit. And then there's an Irish fella yeah. driving down a three-lane highway at 55 yeah. miles an with, hour. With an Irish attitude to speed limits. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then... The officer of the law would come, you see, and he'd stop him. And then uh, it's quite frightening because he American jumped, cops, oh, yeah, yeah. he gets out of the car, 
he stops behind you, his blue light's flashing. So you pull over and he pulls behind you. And then you look in the mirror and he gets out and he adjusts his sunglasses. <laughs> First thing he does, he adjusts his sunglasses. Then he adjusts the Colt 45 on his hip. Yeah. And then he comes up to the window and I've rolled the window and mm. hello officer, how are you, you know? And license and registration. So registration's okay. Yeah. And I hand him an Irish the paper. The piece of paper you got. <laughs> and these guys would look at this and they would say, you're trying to tell me this is a driving license? Right? <laughs> and then they had to make a decision. They had to decide were they going to bring me back to base, find a judge or whatever, and go spend half their day processing me, or were they going to let me go? Yeah. And they let you go. And you, and you being your nice, charming self, you, you, char you char go. charmed your way out of it. Um, that was an amazing chapter in your life, you know, the, uh, managing the US team, because you, you brought them to the World Cup, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, well, they got to the World Cup without me, and then I took over. But, but like, the, the, the thing was that I... I, I I, I think I, I was, I think if you put a lot of other Irish guys of my generation yeah. over there, I'm talking motor guys now, yeah. they would have treated the law with the same disdain as I did. I mean, I think my generation mm. had that kind of disdain for authority. Yeah. You know? yeah. I remember somebody once saying to me, it's because we were a conquered people and that therefore we didn't want to sort of bow the knee to anybody. Yeah. Uh, and except there was one thing in America. I did come unstuck once in Houston, Texas. Right? Now, the only thing I didn't know They've got school buses. Yeah. And there's everybody goes to school in the school bus, yeah. right? Which is great because the, the parents aren't driving the kids. They're mm. going on the bus. And the buses are yellow, yeah. right? Now, you cannot pass a school bus if it's stopped. Yeah. It has a stop sign on the back of it. Correct. It? Well done. Yeah. Well done. It has a stop sign. Right? Because the kids might cross the road. Yeah, so yeah. obviously you can't go past the bus. Georgie. <laughs> Houston, Texas, zooms past the bus, right? And the next minute, flashing blue lights. Uh, policeman, up to the door. You passed a school bus. Um, he has hitched the guns at this stage. And this fella is. And, and you're Texan. Looking, looking for fools pass here. Oh, you're yeah. a charming, innocent oh, Irishman. No. This is Texas. Huh. Used to work in Massachusetts where yeah. maybe their granddad was Irish. Yeah, yeah. In Texas, like. Forget I, about yeah, it. Forget about it. And this one guy was giving me a hard time. And he was going to impound the car. He was mm. going to take the car off me and leave me standing at the side of the road. Anyway. He decided to go the whole hog and he issued a ticket and he did all that sort of stuff. Now, the Americans have a great system. Mm. If you don't pay within 60 days, they double the fine. Yeah. And then if you don't pay within another 60 days, they double it again, okay? So it means most people pay the fine. But your man has just issued a ticket to 52 Foxhawk Park. <laughs> 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 okay? But the... But the city of Houston were chasing me for years. They were uh, sending letters to... To the Irish address still. To yeah. 50 o'clock, like, and you owe us this amount of money, and, you know, we're going to end up threatening, you know, they'd hang me high. Oh, yeah, you know? know, but the Americans will come chasing you. Then. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. I think they can be thunderously serious like biblical justice sometimes in america yeah well i'll tell you one thing about americans they, they're, they're, overall the road safety record is quite poor but when americans come to europe and um, it happens all the time it, you can get a manual car cheaper than an automatic so the, the typical american says yeah i can drive stick and he can't he just he can't he's never learned how to he, he right. grinds the gears scrunches the clutch and breaks down on the airport roundabout and has to be fetched regular occurrence with them yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing, though, having said that, which is not motor cars, I adore America and I adore Americans. Mm. I mean, they're the most trusting people in the world. They don't lock their front doors. And I, I used to be amazed, like, they don't lock their front doors or, um, like, very often. Do you worry a bit for them now, George, in modern discourse I, in America? Yeah, I do. Um, it's probably now... As more divided 
than at any time since the Civil War. I used to enjoy your conversations with Mikey Graham. Um, uh, on yeah. the show, yeah. um, just to hear that voice. I mean, it's we, we don't we don't often hear a, a right wing voice from America. No, well, you see, unless it's a swinging loon. That's right. Well, you so. see, all our radio is actually left wing, mm. as in liberal. Mm. All our radio are liberal. Like we don't have any uh, what we would call loony yeah. loonies. The shock jocks from the yeah. uh, all American radio. Is right wing. There is there is no liberal radio. So like you have somebody like Rush Lumbaugh or yeah. these guys, they're all right wing. And one the other thing is when I I was the only I think well there might have been others but the only sort of uh, uh, public figure who said uh, Trump would win the election mm. and, uh, mm. because the vast majority of people. Would would have known New York or yeah. or Boston, or Los South. Angeles or San Francisco. There's a huge part of America in the middle, yeah. and those people in the middle are totally different. Mm. And they vote for, uh, they they would vote for Trump. They would carry guns in their car. I remember when I went there first, and, and they certainly don't like. It. You can understand it. They don't like being patronized by. The coastal elite, um, I mean, really sets their hackles up, and you and you can see why often. I also think we have a terrible cheek. Like, you know, we go on the radio or television or newspapers and sort of say to Trump and Trumpism and blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, if American broadcasters started talking about Hall Martin mm. or Michael D. Higgins or whatever in the way we talk about their president, yeah. uh, we'd get hugely upset. And the other thing is, if Trump stands... He will win the next election. That's your that's your prediction. I I, yeah. I think, and he will win it comfortably because we cannot understand what it is like for no longer tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border, yeah. the southern border, just walking across, yeah. just walking across. We we. We can't understand that. Like it, the scale is so different. The scale, so the, we we can't understand that. So they are much more likely. Trump's idea of building a wall wasn't as mad to Americans as it sounded to us. Yeah, yeah. Biden, then, on the other hand, sort of says, "Come on in," yeah. and you know. And uh, the other thing is. We are socialists. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of way you dress it up. We're essentially socialists. Yeah. Well, we call it social democrat, don't we? Yeah, if we're looking for for a way to sort of because you know we we don't say socialist implying Marxist Leninist. We we, we centrist social yeah. democrat. So because. we we have we have unemployment assistance yeah. if you're out of work. We have, uh, you know, well, the big one is healthcare, isn't it? Healthcare, yeah. all those things. They don't exist for Americans. And the reason they don't exist for Americans, Americans have what I call this frontier mentality. Yeah. The mentality that was formed by all these people getting in covered wagons and, mm. and going across the country. And, and self-reliance. Self-reliance. Yeah. Perfect uh, description. Kind of. yeah. and so they sort of say, look, there's no reason why you're unemployed. There's no reason. Okay, uh, you, you might have been this, that, and the other thing. Lost your job, fine. You can cut the grass or yeah. you can clean somebody's swimming pool or you can do, you can get a job. So why are you looking for assistance? Why yeah. are you looking for food stamps? That's the way they view it. Yeah. Well, it's the way a lot of America views it. And, and you know, they are out of sync with the rest of the developed world, obviously. I mean, it, 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 the... I or maybe we're out of sync. Well, I mean, I read there's half a million medical bankruptcies, medical bankruptcies in the United States every year. The same figure for the European Union is zero, so I, I'm, you know, I, I, I would, would have some sympathy for a, a lot of what's been said about um, uh, the American right and and uh, you know how they do have a proper voice underneath the madness, and a lot of the points being made are fair, but you know, come on, healthcare. The US can't be the world's model. Surely the European model is better. If you take our PUP payment, mm. right? We are already as if we didn't know. We know there's been enormous fraud on the PUP system. We know that. Mm. 
you know, um, uh, like what we did. It's extraordinary. I remember the great David McWilliams on a previous occasion saying, you know, what we ought to do, I think it was the 08 crisis, um, what we ought to do is get a helicopter, helicopter. put put money in the helicopter and throw it out of the window. That's effectively what we did. As David McWilliams said subsequently, I mean, helicopter money was what he was recommending post-crash, and it is what states all over the world did in the pandemic. First thing to do is, is, is keep paying people, and then that way maybe the society can hang together and survive for the six months, 12 months, 18 but months. But Americans call that communism. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, and when the other thing that we don't understand, they made like, pandemic payments too, though. They oh yes, say. oh yeah, but they didn't agree with them. Yeah. Like, yeah. The the only thing we don't understand about Americans, right? Because all all of us, most of us who've gone to America, have gone to the coastal yeah. regions, east or west. Very few of us have gone to Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. or uh, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, or uh, Lawrence, Kansas, or yeah. you know. There, but these people who vote for Trump aren't the loonies we think they are. They're doctors, dentists, mm-hmm. lawyers, real estate agents. You know. Well, there were seventy million of them, so clearly that includes like, yeah. millions and millions and millions of decent, intelligent people. But they see now, and they now see, and they use the word that the Democratic Party is a communist party. They actually use that word. Eminently sensible people. It's interesting what they're doing to language because, uh, and this isn't unique to America, but, you know, you can sort of stop the argument. We might want to have an argument about healthcare, for example, um, but a a person can say that's socialist and therefore don't have to discuss it. Or you could say in America, you know, I want to, um, I want to invest more in social, well, you're a communist and that means we don't have to discuss your proposal. Or likewise, you could say to somebody, you know, from the left, you could say, well, you know what, you're, you're transphobic. So, you know, uh, no longer have to talk to you about anything. And I think labeling people like that just means you don't get to have a proper conversation. I, I think why I love talking to you, and I, I miss talking to you so much, uh, is you get to the nub of things very quickly. But never, I think, in the history of the English language, and I adore language, yeah. have there been words that stop the conversation? Like yeah. so, if you say something and somebody says you're a racist or yeah. you're 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 homophobic or or, or you're a communist or anyone, yeah. there are now words that stop yeah. the conversation. Yeah. That never happened before. Yeah. I know, and not only do they stop the conversation, they sort of you know declare a war. So 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 now, if the conversations continue, it would have to be you demonstrating that you're not homophobic or or are or, or you agreeing that uh, a certain group of society treated really badly um, and, and you know we all have to sort of declare loyalty to this kind of new ethos or or, or, or the conversation can't continue I mean, yeah I, I, I yeah I think uh, there are things that I'm I'm going to regret about dying uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, because I'm gonna, I'm not going to see things. The thing I'm going to miss most of all, all I think when I die, is seeing my youngest grandchildren, the ones yeah. that I won't see them reach leaving certificate. You know that kind of stuff. But the other thing is, I, I'm going to miss some tremendous historical assessments. Mm. Right now, Eamon Ryan will say that the invention of the, the, the motor car was the greatest thing, the worst thing that ever happened for the world, all right? I think history will say that the worst invention in the history of the world was the mobile telephone. Yeah. And I think when the history of that is written and we have, we have adults who are now children who can no longer speak they, 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 can, they can no longer speak, uh, nor can they safely pick what they're allowed to speak about. I mean, I think what you're saying, if, if you consider the dirty exhaust coming out of the end of cars, right, has polluted the atmosphere. Over a hundred year view, you could say it was a huge mistake for humanity. Um, but your point would be that when you look at what mobile phones have done and the way that they can connect people and give rise to the internet, and then you get these little echo chambers of hate, and then you get kids bullying each other and language being changed. You think that in the long term, when we look back, that will have poisoned the human atmosphere in the, in the same way that greenhouse gases have damaged well, the world. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm a great movie buff, and and there's a great movie called with Charlton Heston called The Planet of the Apes, and it's a, it's a science fiction movie. But but the nub of it is that the humans have lost the ability to speak, so they are now just hewers of wood and drawers of water, and the apes who can speak are running the world, right? And and the point about it is is what makes us different from everybody else who inhabits this planet is we humans speak. Mm. So speech is the most powerful thing we have, right? Now, I look at my grandchildren mm. and I can see nine grandchildren in a room because we all assembled for midterm, right? And I see okay. nine grandchildren in a room all looking at telephones and all doing whatever they're doing yeah. on telephones, yeah. right? Now, the, the whole idea of, of language and discourse and discussion and all that, like families used to sit around the dinner yeah. table and used to And talk. argue, yeah, argue politics, whatever. They yeah. don't do that because the kids are all on the phone. Now, what's going to happen is it is conceivable that suddenly the human race can't speak anymore. Now, I don't mean, but but in effect, yeah. they can only speak through this machine yeah. because because the computer now is, this, this telephone is going to become so powerful mm. right, that the thing in the palm of their hand is going to be doing everything. And, and I fear for that. Yeah. I, but you know, it's it's inspiring talking to you, George. I, I, I mean, I really do love it. I, I miss you off the radio. Uh, one of my favourite conversationalists. I would talk to one of your researchers in advance. George wants to talk about uh, petrol prices and I would give the researcher chapter and verse on the recent thing on petrol prices then I'd start a conversation with you we talk about something else entirely because uh, you know something the conversation would bubble something in your head and we had a different I used to really enjoy that on the radio well that. it's kind of you to say that but I I, I, I adore language yeah. you know I came from a very poor background in Cork uh, but I was educated by the Cork City Library really although mm. I adore Press Cork and how important they were like my father took me to the library every week and I got a book and he yeah. got a book and he never read for a man you know uneducated in that sense he never read a book of fiction in his life so he'd get a non-fiction book my mother used to go he knew what she read which was yeah. fiction he'd get her a book he'd get him a book and I'd come out of the children's department with a book and then we would read yeah. and they gave me the love of language and literature and all that yeah. and if you think I talk you should have heard my mother. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have got a word in age race with my mother. I, I believe it. I believe it. And not just and not just the cork in you. And um, George, you're an absolute gentleman. I, I I'd love to chat and we may we may chat again because you've touched off loads of things there that interest me a lot. But I'm delighted that you are in such vigorous good health and that you're doing your your mental exercises and you're driving up and down to Cork. I, I said to you at the start, you look as fit as a fiddle. So I, I hope you I hope you feel as well as you look. And uh, listen, I, I hope we'll chat again soon. Well, you're in no better place than Senior Times, .ie, where you can find Conor Faulkner talking to the great and good. Thanks, to, thanks a million, George. You're great. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Stephen Tonge is a history teacher. He teaches economics and history to the pupils of CUS and imparts a little cricket along the way. Cricket and perspective. But more than that, Stephen has written the standard history text for the junior and leaving cert cycles, has written about 20th century US history and about colonialism. He has a deep knowledge of military history, especially the Second World War. He's a passionate educator, but he's also passionate about Irish life and society. Let's go and meet him, Stephen Tonge. Stephen Tonge, very nice to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. No problem, Connor. No problem. Uh, you might tell me where we're sitting at the moment. I'm sitting in my classroom in COS in Leeson Street. Uh, I've been in this room for about 20 years. As you can see, the posters keep me interested on the walls. <laughs> um, and you were a pupil here before you were a teacher as well. Yeah, I started here at the age of seven in 1975, which sort of gives away my age. Oh, wow. And I know you, you, you teach history and economics, but I know because I know 
you very well yeah. that uh, your, your major passion is history. Uh, you, you've, you've written the standard textbooks for junior cert and for leaving cert. Uh, you've written also a lot about 20th century mm. history, mm. Um, the path of democracy, mm. uh, American history interests mm. you as well. Mm. Uh, but Base Camp is here in a school for boys in the centre of Dublin. Mm. Um, do you love teaching? It's been 20 years. Uh, well, actually, this room 20 years teaching, counted two years. Um, yes, I, I like history and I love teaching history. Um, I enjoy teaching economics now. I've got more into it. In economics, is always that central dilemma between equality and efficiency. Mm. And we were, we, had, um, we were chatting about the role of the government and, and promoting equality. And three of the lads started laying in really right-wing views. And one guy had quite left-wing views. And it was quite funny just watching the dynamics. Um, you know, you're sort of going, you know, it's a surprising thing now where you have to sort of say to the lads, okay, guys, now hang on a second. That's a bit too right-wing. You know, <laughs> calm down. Are you sensitive to that? I mean, in, in, in teaching youngsters these days, is, is, is part of your job to moderate a conversation between them? Part of my job is to indoctrinate, unfortunately, but I won't go into that at the moment. But when it comes to moderate, yeah, the, the key to success, in my view, at Leading Cert is understanding. Yeah. So if people can argue issues and bring relevant facts to the table, that's, that's really, really a massive stride forward in how they can answer questions in the Leaving Cert. I, I, I'm, lo I'm looking at your walls here and, you know, it's testament, testimony to 20 years spent, spent to this. And <laughs> I'll give you an impression. The, the walls are covered with posters and educationally. I see loads there on the technology of war. Stephen, it's like one of those when you hop through the Discovery channels late mm. at night looking for the war documentaries. Here they all are. Mm. Um, I remember one of the things that fascinated me about history when I was young was we were told that uh, the map of Europe was completely redrawn before and after the First World War mm. and then sensationally we lived through 1989 when it happened again um, but I mean I look on your maps on your walls here and you know it tells me that uh, this is a cycle that's just repeated and repeated when since uh, sin ever since the Europeans became colonial powers Africa's case yes um, cycles of map drawing the borders of Europe have changed I mean the dramatic change obviously 1919 and mm. 1989 was well, probably more to the collapse of the Soviet Union. Those countries were extant, though they were republics, those borders, and obviously the collapse of Yugoslavia. But if, if I was to put show you a map of Europe in 1815, it would be so radically different from what you're looking at today. Yeah. And like, I mean, we're looking at Austria-Hungary on the wall that collapsed like a jigsaw in 1919 and into you know, Austria-Hungary and then the different uh, countries that came out of it, but the problems weren't solved. And is that where the sort of pull to authoritarianism in a country like Hungary comes from? Or is, I mean, is Europe a dialogue of, of unresolved problems and kind of simmering nationalisms that are still there? There are, well, in Hungary's case, yes, because the Hungarians feel very bitter about what happened to them at, well, you know, Versailles is a misnomer because it was signed there, but the Treaty of Trinion, the Paris negotiations, that, that, that two-thirds of Hungary in the Austro-Hungarian Empire was lost. And there's a lot of Hungarians live in Romania and in Slovakia, and there's a lot of resentment. I, I think the factor with, with, I'm always careful those words authoritarian because they tend to be a view from, from, from say, the West, from, say, yes. Ireland about what's going on in those countries. I mean, Orban is a democratically elected leader. I mean, and his party romps home every time. But I think that they experienced communism. Yes. They never did. So they don't tend to embrace, maybe it's a reaction to the forced equality of communism. They don't tend to embrace our values the same way that we do. But I mean, surely the EU genuinely has led to 60, 70 years of European peace. I mean, if you said it, in historical context, it's a praiseworthy institution and it, it may have life in it, yes. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, it's complicated because, that, I mean, the formation of the EU or the European Steel Coal Community and, and, you know, and, the, and the EC is based around the German-Franco rivalry. Mm. Germany was no longer a rival after World War II because she was so completely destroyed and rebuilt 
rebuilt back up in, in the image of the Allies, in a sense. Um, my, my fear about is when you have 27 countries, if you try to enforce a one, a one view on 27 countries, you're not going to succeed. Well, is that not the rationale behind things like the Aquí Protocols, where there's um, an evolving European charter, if you like, mm. and sort of a declaration of, of European values that all candidate states have to sign up to mm. and, and all extant states have to have to live up to? Is that, is that where the tension comes from? I mean, you know, that's, I mean, it's quite obvious with the Polish Supreme Court decision that, that there is a different view about the legal systems in these countries. Um, I'm not too sure they're right or wrong. I mean, you're talking about Copenhagen. I mean, like the idea that no EU country have the death penalty is a very good idea. I mean, we can all get, we can all rope in behind that. Well, we can all rope in right behind that, but you, you know, there are voices who wouldn't. I mean, it, it, we're having a European conversation at a, a European, and mm. uh, um, you know, in the centre in the centre of Dublin, and to you and I, not having the death penalty is is a no brainer. Mm. Um, if we if we were sitting in Texas, we mightn't get that. Mm. Well, there's a country that's collapsing. That the United States is 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 collapsing. Um, it's collapsing, red and blue. Traveling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at Expressway.ie, make sure to select Seat Only Reservation Free Travel Scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Everything is part of a culture war and um, that, you know, there's, there's no point criticizing me on my economic performance because the next election won't be about the economic performance. It'll be about the culture identity. Uh, I'm one of you and, and he's one of them. If we can make everything a red blue issue, um, is, 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 that, is well, that how we lose democracy? You, on the other side, you could say it's the left's playbook. Oh, yeah, well, well, I, well, the extremist playbook, yeah. if you like. I mean, one of my big things in history is to teach the students about the crimes of the left. You talked about the Nazis there. Mm -hmm. um, but people are relatively unaware of the crimes of Mao Zedong or Joseph Stalin or, or Vladimir Lenin. They're relatively unaware of them. And nobody would ever stand up uh, today and, you know, you destroy a conversation by saying that's something like what the Nazis would have done. Yes. But you never destroy a conversation by saying that's something like Stalin would have done. Yeah, indeed. And, and you know, the left hide behind equality and progress to justify all their crimes. And um, at times, I, I feel there's a certain collective amnesia about the crimes of the left. And I think we have to be wary and understand to go back again to Poland and Hungary and Eastern European countries like the Czech Republic, is they had 40 years of imposed communism. Yeah. So they're not necessarily going to see equality in the same way we see it. And those sort of values uh, the same way we see them. We have a giant centre in Ireland. I mean, let's be honest. Do you mean, what is the difference between Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Labour? It's really style. It's not substance. They're effectively all pursuing the same policies. Um, so uh, there's always a danger of labelling. So ideology, I think, is very dangerous. Uh, anything. Um, if you take, uh, if you take, say, Trump. Trump did some good things. He did some bad things. We have many arguments about yeah. Trump. 
But the point is, is that he was always viewed through a negative lens in Ireland. It didn't matter what he did, it was viewed as a negative lens. So he couldn't do anything good. So we, we have to be very careful. He also had millions of millions of decent people who voted for him. And that's, um, I mean, to me, that's part of the tragedy of modern conversation is that, it, you know, everything has to be painted. So, you know, everybody has to belong in one camp or another. And to the anti-Trump um, brigade, and look, I'm never a Trump fan. I didn't count me among I saw them. You, I said with a MAGA hat once. Did you? Yeah. I, I severely <laughs> doubt it. So you, like, you, won't, you won't see me in Dune Bag either, you know, that's for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, but, you know, you can despise the man Trump and, and also despise the sort of complacent moralism that throws into, you know, casual criticisms of anything he ever said or did as president. Um, you know, the mere fact that he deserved it and uh, didn't make the behaviour any more honourable when, when, when people piled on. Mm. Um, and is that a problem in Irish conversation, do you think, that that type of moralising, I mean, if, you, if you're offside with the consensus? You can be destroyed if you're offside with the consensus. Um, there's, there, is a, there is an intolerance at the heart of Irish discourse that anybody who, who sort of raises like I used to like listening to your man on um, George Hook used to have on which is a Graham was it yeah Michael Graham the American guy and he could say things that you couldn't say in Ireland mm. like why should people pay most of their income in tax you know things that things that you could not say in Ireland and I disagree with him profoundly on the Middle East but on a lot of issues I was going not in my head going where's the person in Ireland Given, given this yeah. it's, it's, it's not even that that point of view is right necessarily in it's, fact I, I don't think it is yeah. but it, it's the mere fact that it can't be aired it it, just, that's, that's, that's the, the scary part of, 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 of the discourse that goes on is that there is so little of it my parents lifelong Fianna Fáilers I voted Fianna Fáil I'm sure I might as well vote Fianna Gael Michal Martin to me a nice fella uh, but he, he reminds me a bit like Louis the Sixteenth or, or Nicholas the Second. Azar um, was probably the last, a bit like Roman emperors, but probably the, the last ruler uh, whose whose very word was literally life and death. Well, it was the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, something similar. Yeah, well, the 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 1905 revolution had had reduced the Tsar's power. There there had there was a Duma. Hmm. Um, Russian history is incre incredibly complex. I mean, if you look at Putin, Putin is that classic strongman yes. that Russians would like, the Stalin, the Peter the Great, you know, the, these strong rulers yeah. that they identify with. And I watched a speech from Putin uh, just there a couple of days ago where he was having a go at Western wokeism. Mm. And one of the things he said was, we've already experienced this in Russia under communism where they tried to change the values in society and so on. So he, he, he's like, what did Churchill say? Russia was an enigma wrapped up in a riddle or something yes. like that. <clears throat> you have somebody who, who, who openly uh, glorifies Stalin, glorifies uh, the takeover of the Baltic Republics in 1940, which was a war crime. Hmm. But on the other hand, is very critical of communism and, and Lenin and Stalin. In domestic and, and in and in the great tradition of Russian leaders is an autocrat <laughs> undisputed. Um, but I was interested in a couple of things you said about uh, um, about Trump and Putin because again I think you, you you're um, a bit countercultural, Stephen, if I can say. And you know, on one level, we're here in a you know a bastion of what should be a very conservative institution. We're at that, you know very well. We're on Leeson Street in Dublin Four, so you know this is uh, it's Dublin Two rather, but we're in the Dublin sort of uh, South Dublin. And, um, uh, affluent and privileged relative to the rest of the country. Uh, so if Ireland has a privileged elite, some of them will pass through your hands. Um, and as I say, you're a bit of a countercultural guy. You do like to kick against. I know you can find a quote from Trump, for example, that a rational person has to agree with. And I thought it was interesting to see you uh, quote Putin or reference Putin. Mm. Um, and I, I saw the clip um, mm. that, that, that you referenced and uh, he was talking about this sort of new language and new speak yeah. and comparing it to what uh, the Bolsheviks yeah. did uh, uh, you know a, hun a hundred years ago and I do think it's interesting that whatever your intentions no matter how benign uh, an attempt to control the language centrally uh, to me nearly always seems to be on the wrong side of history 
I, I, one of the big learnings for me in the last few years, uh, as you well know, I feel very strongly on Palestinian uh, cause. I'm a member in this classroom, uh, 2003, I had a big history class. One of the guys is now a senior Irish Time journalist. One is, uh, one is one of the up and coming law professors in Trinity. And we had a big debate about the war in Iraq. Yeah. And one of the guys brought me in a Palestinian flag and I had a Palestinian flag flying. <laughs> and one guy had an American flag in the corner. It was great debates, best results I ever got. Wow. And do the youngsters, when you're talking to them, see the parallels that you might be drawing with um, uh, the, the, the great eras of revolution in European history? Is there, is there an arc of history we're looking at here or, or is this new, new? American history is brilliant to teach because if you're doing civil rights, yeah. it's, it's, it's right up to date. If you're doing the federal system, it's right up to date. If you know, you know what's going on with Texas and the attempt and to yes, over, the, overturn Roe versus Wade. Because you've told me before, you see Roe versus Wade as as really the 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 uh, the, the most totemic flag in this whole culture war that's going on in America. Yeah, yeah. It was a great book I read. Uh, it's called The Right Nation. It was by two two I think two guys who became editors of the Economist. And the very start of the book says, if you're expecting this book to be an attack on the right in America, it's not. It's to try to understand them, hmm. and uh, and that immediately captured me. And uh, yes, um, prayer in schools, homeschooling, abortion, these are massive issues in the United States. And when I was recording the, when I was researching the American history book the first time around, uh, Pew did a lot of uh, opinion polls in America and basically 21% of Americans oppose abortion in all circumstances and 21% of Americans are in favor of abortion as Roe versus Wade. And most Americans are in the middle. Uh, I wonder how Ireland would map onto that. I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, this goes back to my Fianna Fáil point. One third of people in Ireland voted against abortion. Yeah, and they have. Uh, and whether you agree with them or not, they, where are their voices in ordinary debate? They have. They have no voice in ordinary debate. Uh, one of the commentators that that is quite controversial. A lot of the stuff I like is David Quinn. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have Twitter spats with David. Yeah. In, in a very, I must say to his credit, uh, always very mannerly. Yeah, and, I, I, and I've met David. Yeah. Um, but and, and most issues, I'm right behind him. I agree with him. But he comes to the Middle East, I completely disagree with him. Hmm. But I, I'm sort of starting to learn that it's not, it's not, it's not just, you know, as you said earlier, it's not binary. There are things yeah. that are right on both sides. And unfortunately, I was thinking about it before, before I met you. Social social media has a lot to answer for mm. because it really creates. It's designed to create a divide. It's designed to create anger where maybe anger doesn't exist. It's designed to polarize opinion, and, and maybe we're seeing in America the result of social media. I mean, we had we're saying it, seeing it play out over there, perhaps a few years ahead of us. About ahead of us, yeah. Uh, I mean, we we were always blessed in Ireland, really, not having class politics. <laughs> or at least claiming not to. Well, well, you, well, I mean, you could argue Fine Gael were the better sort. Uh, that was always the sort of Fine Gael were the, the better sort. Well, C CUS here on Leeson Street, would that have been Fianna Fáil? We have a real mix here. That's what's the great thing about teaching here, is that you've got a great mix of kids, great dif yeah. different backgrounds. Um, you don't have... Maybe, and I don't. I want to be careful. Uh, you don't. You, you, the perception of a private school, which you touched on earlier, yeah. is not my reality. It's not. You just consider them ordinary kids. Absolutely. And you genuinely do love teaching. I mean, there is something about engaging with uh, uh, young minds. I mean, we've said before, one of the best ways to understand a subject truly is to see if you can teach it because oh. you learn as you teach it. So is that still a buzz for you after after all these years? Uh, nothing beats a good class. <laughs> Nothing beats a class that you go, yeah, nailed it. Um, and for you, does nailed it mean those are intelligent, well-rounded kids? They ask me questions that surprise me. They made me think a little bit more about various things. Or is it he got his A? <sighs> nailed it is when you know you've engaged them. 
Mm. When you know whatever you, 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 I'm teaching 30 years, so you know plans. Are, I, you know, I do have a vague plan as what I'm going to do. I am very tangential because I'm interested in what I'm teaching, so yeah. I, I, I'm naturally curious. Well, you've written books on the subject, yeah. and uh... but I'm naturally curious person. So if somebody asks me something in class that stimulates my curiosity, but also shows that they're interested. I so that was a great way. If you were a kid in the class on a Friday oh, afternoon, yeah, 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 yeah. and Mr. Tonge was going to go off on one and make us do this, that, and the other, all you had to do was ask him about Spitfires, and we're done. We're going to DOS, lads. Yes, super see, they think they fooled me, but I've actually, I've actually played a double bluff because I want to be taken off task. <laughs> you know, there's only a certain way you can teach plantations for 30 years. And mm. if somebody just comes in with an interesting question about the orange order or something like that, bang, I'm off. I'm mm. here. I, I'm, I'm interested here. But it must, like, it must be satisfying when, when uh, guys who pass through your hands as youngsters flourish and, you know, become those engaged citizens. Again, whether you agree with them or not, just to hear them oh, engaging with the issues of the day. It's always, it's always brilliant to see past peoples do well. Yeah, I mean, obviously... The one we're most proud of is Owen Morgan. Ah, because you're a cricket man. Yeah, but well, the most famous Irishman, except in his own country. Yeah, England's cricket captain. Yeah, India. You know, if you mention them, Owen Morgan in in Delhi, everyone knows who he is. You mention yeah. him in Dublin, three quarters people go who? I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, and if you if, and if you go out to Bray, where he's from, uh, he may be acknowledged, but he's a long way behind Katie Taylor. Uh, he is. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, but he's. He, he was a real example of determination uh, and self-belief. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. But look, you know, there's a certain element, you know, 10 years ago, I knew every single past pupil in school that I went through my hands. At this stage, you know, I'm struggling. But it's mm. always great when you go onto LinkedIn and you see guys doing really well and uh, it's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's great for them. Well, many more years, Stephen, uh, many more years of teaching and writing and whatever it is you do. Um, and I'm sure we'll do this again because mm. there's a couple of things that we might come back to. Uh, we might do a deeper dive on why Ireland doesn't have uh, Owen Morgan on a similar statue to Katie Taylor. And what does that say about post-colonial post um, but maybe that's for another day. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Um, we normally do this over a pint of Guinness. It's rare for us to do this over coffee. Um, but I suspect we'll do we'll do both again. Okay. Stephen, thanks Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Connor Faulkman. If you did enjoy it, then maybe you'll check in with us next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. <laughs>